Welcome back to Bears on Tap, a podcast about the Chicago Bears. I'm your host, Lucas Perfetti. You could follow me on Twitter at LucasPerfetti46. You could also go ahead and give us a follow at Bears on Tap. We are the Bears sector of the ONTAP Sports Network, which you could find at ONTAP Sportsnet. Um, we cover all Chicago sports. If you'd like to go ahead and see some of our content, go to ONTAPSportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports podcasts, hot dog reviews. I mean, we're, we're talking the works. We got everything covered in Chicago sports, so go ahead over to ONTAPSportsnet.com to check out our content. Um, today is... Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, today's Thursday, April 30th. Um, definitely had a couple free agent signings in Ted Ginn Jr. and Tashawn Gibson. Um, those two guys come along as part of the Chicago Bears squad, so we'll break that down. We'll talk about the implications, definitely get into some of these UDFA signings, and then I have a very special interview with Derek from Glasgow. Um, I always find it extremely intriguing on why people from the UK or other countries where, you know, is dominated by soccer or rugby or whatnot gets involved in the NFL and how they become Bears fans. So we're going to have a live convo with um, Derek here. I mean, not live, but we we recorded a conversation with me and Derek, and he's going to tell you how he became a Bears fan and stuff like that. Definitely interesting. Great story about uh, him on his honeymoon and, and how he made it to a Bears game still. So awesome, awesome stuff inside there. Stick around for that. Um, but go ahead and give us a follow again at Bears on Tap, and let's get ready for this show. Aaron, what's happening, brother? Uh, not a whole lot, buddy. How about you? You know, just quarantining hard. Yeah, I'm about eight or nine uh, Mountain Dew Baja Blast into that 12-pack, so I've just been steadily ripping through them like nobody's business. Um, just living off mac and cheese and frozen pizza. How about you, my man? Uh, you know, I actually told you the other day i got baja but i also got a new one uh i was actually at a jewel in in my town and they could not even scan it because apparently it wasn't supposed to be on the shelves even but it's called frostbite um really don't know it's supposed to be like a melon and some other stuff it, you know what i'm gonna be honest with you buddy uh kind of like our good guy uh summer george rates things uh i'm gonna rate this probably a a 1.9 not wow. very good. it's all it's, the way on the low end huh yeah i'm just gonna just struggle through uh the 12 pack and just after that call it a day stick to the baja for the summer and stick to my throwback yeah and you know what's funny is for some reason never have i once seen you pull a razor ramon but today you're definitely got a little bit of razor ramon in you um with the with the toothpick what's going on with you uh, I had something stuck in my teeth a little while ago. <laughs> Is that what it was, dude? Because I, I see you walking, rocking it around like good old Scott, bro, and I'm just wondering what's going on. Yeah, I can rock that though. I've I've done that in my past, so I've had a, I've had a Razor Ramon costume once or twice in my in my Halloween career, so I understand entirely. Oh man. It's an, easy, it, it's an easy one to do. I'm not going to be able to handle this this toothpick <laughs> the whole time. But let's uh, let's move into um, just real quick. Obviously, the Bears side, Ken, Ted Ginn Jr., um, also to Sean Gibson and Trevor Davis from the Green Bay Packers. A lot of talk about these three players, like all of them are godsends. Um, me and you kind of agree on to Sean Gibson, I think, being the most needed and the, the most um, – I, the player we look forward to the most for sure. But what, what's your overall gauge? Cause obviously we got Trevor Davis. Trevor Davis is getting looked at as some like God when realistically he got expanded from a team that doesn't have any wide receivers on it. Ted Ginn jr. Um, I wrote a piece on it already. Like people talk about him adding speed. He's a 13 year vet. You gotta love it. Um, 35 years old. Yeah. He's 35 years old. Like he's not going to be as fast as he was 13 years ago, back in the day when he first started out with Carolina and all that good stuff. But, um, I have noticed the common theme where Ryan Pace is dipping into the NFC South. He's taking guys from the saints, guys that he's already worked with kind of continuing that theme. So it's definitely something, um, that sticks out to me. And also to Sean Gibson, um, just had his last year in Houston. He went on IR, but for the most part, he's played free safety. He played strong safety in Houston. Um, definitely someone to look out for. He's hasn't missed a lot of time, even though he went on IR last year. And that's one thing I want to say with all the free agent signings that 
this year, you could tell they're a little bit scarred from last year with Trey Burton and Taylor Gabriel and all of these injuries kind of adding up because every guy they went out and signed has never really missed significant time in their long careers. You know what I mean? Um, so overall, what's your, your reaction on these guys? You know, I had a conversation actually with uh, my brother-in-law today and he kind of is go- he's going a little off the deep end here saying that a lot of these signings as of late and even just throughout the off season are pure desperation and a lot of players on his, on the back end of their careers. And uh, where I tried to prove him wrong today was talking, you know, dialing back even further into the off season was about uh, Robert Quinn. And I'm like, well, Robert Quinn had the most sack, the second most sacks in his career last year. And that's not on the back end of your career. If you still end up with 11 and a half, you know, last year. Um, but as of today, like with the signings today and the one yesterday with Davis, man, these guys other than Gibson are just bodies to fill out the roster. They were at, I believe 89, um, going into, to, well, maybe give or take, depending on whatever it was, I, think I heard at, 89. They're uh, at 90 now after the Gibson signing. Yeah. So you're at a full roster. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Ted Ginn and Davis are camp bodies. Um, maybe somehow Ginn makes it on the roster. Maybe they do some goofy thing and convert Patterson into a running back. Maybe they carry him that way this year, uh, and fill that, they fill that last spot. Cause they're only, I don't see them carrying that many wide receivers walking into the season. They're going to carry that six. Uh, that's always a good number. Um, there's no way you see a guy like Mooney who you drafted in the fifth round this year. making the practice squad. He's got to be on the active day roster. Um, (laughs) You put him on the practice squad. It's going to be, you know, pace his head on a stick. Um, But it adds good. You don't trade. It it adds good competition. Practice squad. Right. I I, I like that aspect of which that's something I want to dive into though, because I, I do think like, there's the possibility that they that some of these guys do end up only being camp bodies. But last year, I think the main discussion going into the season was, can we find a seventh roster spot for a wide receiver? And I think we kind of made that compromise last year. Um, and we were able to find it, but we also took away from one of those inside linebackers that the Bears ended up keeping. And that was the kind of position that they filled the room um, entirely last year. They still did keep six receivers going into it, but uh, last year it was Emmanuel, um, the kid from Missouri. What was oh, his name? He was a burner. Hall? Emmanuel Hall. Yeah, it was Emmanuel oh. Hall that was like on the bubble type thing, and we didn't know. And he ended up just getting cut, which is, you know what I mean? That That's just yeah. kind of how it goes. But I don't know if I could foresee the same thing happening with Ted Ginn just being flat out cut. We don't know what his contract is yet, but definitely with Trevor Davis, I don't see him being like this need to have guy on the roster. Uh, you don't trade up for Mooney if you're going to put him on the practice squad. I would be pretty shocked um, if for some reason the Bears did put him on the practice squad, but that's always a possibility as well. And a lot of the times we kind of like grow fond of these prospects and we're like, there's no way they'll make it to the practice squad, but they always, almost always do. You know, very rarely do people get picked up off waivers. So I think Kareth White. Yeah. And well, Kareth White, but he was on the practice squad for like nine weeks or so. And we were like, there's no way he's making it on the practice squad, even if, you know, even if it was right. just at the beginning of the season. So there's always that aspect of it. It's a lot easier towards the end of the season because injuries start to pile up and teams start looking, you know, at practice squads to, to pick players up. Um, but overall, like I do think that the added competition is the main thing. Right. And I think Ted Ginn's main job is to come in and help mold Darnell Mooney. I like 13 years. You got to learn some tricks of the trade. He was a burner for most of his career. I feel like he should be able to pass along some information and also stay a lot healthier than Taylor Gabriel. So that, in my opinion, is an upgrade. Um, But I wouldn't say it's like this, this world beating move that they made, you know, what I got an idea that just popped in my head. What if they do decide to convert uh, Patterson into a running back? That's how they carry him this year. Say they, decide to move him to running back. So then you have four names that I can go off the top of my head before we dive into the undrafted players. So you would have um, Montgomery, Patterson, Cohen, and uh, everybody's favorite running back. Um, what's his face? Um, the kid from uh, Oregon State? The no, 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 no. The, oh, every, uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name for some reason. Um, 
Talking about Ryan Knoll? Yeah, Ryan Knoll. There you go. Everybody's favorite running back, Ryan Knoll. So those are your four names that just pop off the screen. What if, what if there is a move in the near future for Cohen? You know what I'm saying? What if they are exploring that? What if they say, you know what? We could try and make him expendable. Uh, We got some guys that could return some kicks and convert some other players. And then that also dives in uh, to everybody's, you know, new fond favorite undrafted player other than the top name on the list. But the other kid out, like you said, out of uh, Oregon State in um, what's his name? Artavis Pierce. Artavis Um, Pierce is definitely someone that um, a couple guys that are are in that Bears Twitter elites group definitely have been huge fans of him from as soon as the undrafted free agent list came out. And I've seen some of his tape and he's explosive, man. He's an explosive back, but I wouldn't say he's a replacement for Cohen because I'm not saying 5'11", 208 pounds, you know, I'm not saying a replacement, but another body to fill the role because I'm just saying, if you're bringing in, what if you do, what if you convert Patterson to running back and, you know, Ted Ginn can slide into that last wide receiver spot and, you know, something happens. I mean, you could, you could work it out that way. And that's just the way I view it is there's some movement that could be had, I think, in, in that realm. Um, I just I, feel like Artavis Pierce is going to be everybody's new favorite Ryan all this season. Well, that's I mean, that's exactly what happens with undrafted free agents. And people need to understand that a lot of the times these guys are not making the roster. Sometimes they make the the um the squad you know the practice squad or the the, they'll make the 53 but they don't dress type of thing um one thing i want to acknowledge with these two receiver signings is is a lot of people are now slotting them ahead of javon wims and that's something i have a serious problem with because javon wims not only is he a personal favorite of mine on the team but i mean every year he has progressed exponentially and like he was looked at as someone that might not ever touch the field then year two he caught a couple balls. I think it was like 13 passes or something like that. And everyone's like, Oh, what about whims? And then last year people started slotting him in as like a dependable target with sticky hands. And I just don't understand. You got someone who has made it through the chopping block every single year. And you just want to replace him with some former cheese head because he's fast. Like, I don't, I don't like that idea at all. You know where I see the problem with this Lucas. I think that Javon whims needs to stick around because name me other than Allen Robinson Name me one more go up and get a wide receiver. That's a tall. No, and I'm no, not. No, I'm not trying to say that exactly. That's my point. Um, well, I'm not got, saying you, you have got, um, to have Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet are two other like jump ball type. Yeah, players. but what I'm saying is you don't have any big other than Allen Robinson and Wims. There's no other big body wide receiver on this roster. Well, and Wims makes Robinson look small because Wims is a, right. I want to say six right. five, and Allen Robinson's only six two. And I'm not trying to say like everybody's got to be on six two, but I'm just saying you don't have anybody else. Miller's what you're saying is we have a quarterback that overthrows guys that are six foot five. So how are we going to replace him with guys that are five foot 10? Yeah. I mean, he's going to really overthrow him. And, and I understand that aspect entirely. Um, and I, overall, I just don't see how you slot some of these guys over Javon Wims. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting conversation to have throughout all of training camp, just like last year. Having too many wide receivers is a good problem to have. You can never – you remember the days where Cameron Meredith, who is actually someone who went to my middle school, do you remember when he was our number one receiver? You know? Uh, so – And then I, when everybody was upset that we let him go? Yeah, and then he turned out to, you know – injured. Which is unfortunate, but it's just part of the game, you know, and I don't want to talk smack about him because I did go yeah, to middle school I still him. love – I love everything he did for us. He just was never number one. Uh, he could have been a very viable uh, option down the road, but yeah, I mean, what it is, you had him as like a a number three type of guy back like down the road. Exactly. But he got himself paid and good for him because he ended up not being able to play last year. But overall, I just feel like, like what you were saying about Cohen, I don't think he's on the trading block by any means. I know that that's definitely a secret obsession that you would love to uh, see play out or a secret fantasy, but I don't think that's going to happen over there. Scott Steiner. Um, Realistically, I just feel like, um, <clears throat> this this Artavius Pierce guy is an intriguing character, but I feel like Cohen has cemented his spot on the roster, and Ryan Pace loves him a lot more than you hate him, unfortunately for you. Um, he also and I love just, the sideline, but that's just me. That's definitely something he <laughs> enjoys getting to. Um, but overall, those are some of the signings, and I just want to dive into some of these guys because you talked about um, Artavius Pierce, who has definitely gotten some of the most hype, but they've also signed a good amount of people. You got Ahmad Wagner, a receiver out of Kentucky, Badara 
Traore, a tackle from LSU. Rashad Smith, a Florida Atlantic linebacker. Um, Trevor McSwain, a defensive tackle out of Duke. You got Napoleon Maxwell, Florida International running back. That's the second time they dipped into that pond. Um, and then, obviously, Ladarius Mack, the Buffalo linebacker, uh, Khalil Mack's little brother. I know someone, Brandon was saying that someone stole my tweet. I don't know if it was just parallel thinking or not, but definitely need to get a, a, a Big Mac, Little Mac combo in the Chicagoland area for football season. Um, I feel like he's got a good shot just to make the practice squad because it's Khalil Mack's little brother. And, you know, if you got Khalil Mack and him living in the same house, working out together eventually this guy should turn into some sort of monster um and then you got lakeo london out of western illinois he's the inside linebacker and keandre jones a linebacker from maryland so obviously they're trying to keep that room full in the inside linebacker room they they feel it's very important and they also feel like they have two guys that maybe in roquan smith had his issues last year and then danny trevathan who's had his trouble staying on the field so you go ahead and and go try to reload at inside linebacker um one thing I want to just have people understand in general, if you listen to the show, if you're a fan of the Chicago Bears, if you watch the NFL, the more attached I get to undrafted free agents, the more I get heartbroken. You need to understand that a lot of these guys do not even make the practice squad, like Aaron just said. And just because there's 90 guys on the roster doesn't mean they can't go ahead and say tomorrow they find someone that they'd rather have over Ted Ginn. They can cut him tomorrow and sign someone else. They can keep doing yeah. that. They, they can do whatever I, they want with the roster all year long. I guarantee within the next month, one of these 11 names on this undrafted list will probably be cut and replaced. Before before, before they've been over and before field. they're even able to get on the field. Exactly. So someone will, um, at the end of the day, 53 guys make the roster. I believe it expands to 58 next year. I don't know if that's happening this year. But overall, you're going to see some 40-odd people get cut. I wouldn't get attached to too many of these guys that are low budget. If you're going to buy a Jersey, go ahead and get someone that just got drafted in the second round this year. <coughs> Cole. Or, um, Khalil Mack, some someone along with Jersey. I do. I do. Yeah. And I'm actually going to come through with those jerseys. Shout out to B Don 300 and Ethan Wiles. Um, overall, but uh, you know, when you look at the list, obviously the most intriguing is going to be Ladarius Mack. Why did he go undrafted? If he's Khalil Mack's little brother, um, supposedly, if I'm not mistaken, Khalil wear 48 or 43 all throughout college and then switched to 52 when he got to the NFL. And now, um, his little brother wore 52 throughout all of college. And they're saying he might switch to Khalil Max college number for the Chicago bears. So we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Um, so, you have this running back Art, Artavius Pierce, who I feel like in general, Running backs, linebackers, those are the types of guys that have the biggest chance to make it yeah. as an undrafted free agent because so many of those guys slip in the draft in general. Um, and you got Josh Woods on the roster, who is an undrafted player, you, you know, um, at inside linebacker. And then running backs in general, look at, I mean, Austin Eckler just got paid. There, there's a lot out there that make that make rosters as undrafted free agents. But go ahead, Aaron. So I was going to stay with Ladarius Mack. Um, the standout thing for him I think from what I was reading is just the fact that he really didn't come into football until later on. Um, I think it was either he didn't play until late into high school or didn't even play really at all. Um, so with him, that's probably more where this comes from is just the lack of experience um, with playing. But like you said, it's the name basis. So if he's even, I'll, I'm going to steal a quote from a guy I work with. If he's even got half the talent, as Khalil does, he's already going to be better than Leonard Floyd. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, he did say that, but I do believe if he's got half the talent as Mac, he will be a serviceable rotational. He'll player. be a rosterable player for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll so see. if it's got to be like you said, it just has to, you have to wait and see what happens. If he can turn out to be fine. Um, the one name that I'm actually staring at that I have the most intrigue in is um, the LSU offensive tackle. And that, to me, is just the fact that you got to look at it. That offensive line at LSU was outstanding. And not only that, we're kind of thin. I mean, I know we signed a bunch of guys, but he could have a very big chance of making this roster just because it's a position of major importance on this team. Um, 
So you just never know. I think that's a name. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Badera Traore, if I had to take a, yeah. my, my best stab, stab at he's six foot seven, 320 pounds. So he's an absolute monster of a human being. So he could be a mauler of a sense. Um, I just think that's something to watch out for just because, like I said, LSU was outstanding on the offensive line this year. So obviously he had a hand in that. Um, so I just think that's something, you know, they did, they got pig. What was it? Pig and ham or whatever. And in the seventh round back to back. So, I didn't, I didn't know ham was a name, but if the fact that they got that's pig, what going, that, pig, that's what they're going ham. with is, yeah. Cause it's uh ham, right? So they're just calling them ham. I love that dude. I know. Right. Isn't it hysterical? Yeah. That's awesome. Ham. Um, so overall, though, that's that's about everything I got for these guys as we get into training camp and as we start thinning down the roster, I'll start getting diving into a lot more and I'll probably do like I did last year. Um, I'll do some training camp competition type battles. If if a lot of fans are down to two two players that are battling for the same spot, I'll usually do a video breakdown. So at some point I'll do that with probably a couple of these prospects, um, especially with the tackles, because we got Piggy and Ham and uh, Alex Barr's out there, a couple guys. But, uh, you know, I want to get into this interview with Derek from Glasgow. Um, I have one thing, Lucas, I want to say, because there is a name that is bothering the heck out of me that I wish people need to start looking this up, because I will admit, I didn't know about this guy until the bitter end, probably about two days before the draft. Um, But there is a name that's been floating around that people really, truly need to put some respect on. And that is uh, Pete Guerrero out of Monmouth College. Um, dude's a burner. Yeah, running back, dude. Played all four years, I believe. Dude is fast as shit. I think that is somebody, and I don't even think he's signed because I keep checking on him and I don't see anything. I know it's undrafted players, but I feel like he's one of those players that could make a slight impact somewhere along the road. So he is a name that I am watching. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there for you to even run some tape on that guy, but yeah, uh, that's just my opinion. I'll definitely check him out. Send me a link. Um, but with that being said, um, we're going to close out with Aaron Parpart. If you'd like to follow him, follow him at premier amp. Now we're going to get you into a quick ad read and then we'll get rolling with this interview with Derek. Definitely stick around for it because, uh, he had a lot of good stories to tell. Definitely a hilarious story about his honeymoon. So, Sit tight, and we will get to this interview. Thrive Fantasy is a new, cool, and tough DFS app for prop bets. They have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. Instead of the traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you need to choose 10 of 20 prop bets plus two ICE picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games, which to me, that's by far the best feature of this app. Each unique prop bet has an over-under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded that point value if the prop is correct. For example, will Tom Brady throw for over or under 250 yards? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you build your team score around the amount of correct props you selected. Use the promo code ONTAP, no spaces, and once you deposit your first $10, Thrive's going to go ahead and throw you an additional 10 So grab a beer and hashtag crack them and enjoy a more convenient way to play DFS. Okay, ONTAP listeners, we have a special guest for you, Derek Hill, all the way from Scotland. How you doing, my man? I'm very good, Lucas. How's yourself? Oh, I can't complain, you know, just uh, sitting out here in lockdown and quarantine, just, just getting after some of this Bears news. You know, I've been playing a little bit of uh, video games as well. Just kind of sitting, relaxing, watching movies. The Last Dance has just come out. I don't know if you were a Bulls fan as well. Um, why, why The reason why Derek is here is because he is a fan from the UK. Um, he attended a lot of those London games, and I just thought it was very interesting. I always think it's interesting when a fan from another country where maybe soccer or, you know, uh, football is, as a lot of people would call it in other countries is the most popular, whether it's rugby, you know, people from New Zealand or UK, you know, Germany, wherever you're from, if, if you're a big bears fan, it's always interesting to me to see how you kind of fell into uh, being a fan of the NFL. So that's kind of where we'll start here. Um, Derek, how, how did you come about being a NFL fan? Um, I'd probably take you back to showing my age here, but, I was like 12, 13 years old. And at the time that I got into the Bears, 
they were probably on TV more than any other, basically due to them kind of recently winning the Super Bowl and their iconic defence led by Mike Singletary. And I think as well, the NFL in the UK basically started a couple of years before, so the coverage was starting to get better. And then after the Bears won the Super Bowl, they then started the whole American Bowl series in 1986. And the Chicago Bears came to London to play the Dallas Cowboys. But it was still a bit kind of hazy to me back at that point. When I first got into the sport, I'm not even sure if I knew what the Super Bowl was, I'll be honest. And if I even knew at that particular time if the Bears were the recent champions. The one thing I certainly wasn't, I don't know if you use the, the phrase over there, but we call it a glory hunter. Do you use that? Oh, I mean, we don't use that phrase, but we definitely will have something similar, like a bandwagon fan or something like yeah. that. You talk about someone Excellent. that just likes a team that's doing really well at the time. Yeah, we call the correct? Patriots fans. And you guys, exactly. So you call it a, glor- <laughs> a glory hunter. I like that. You call I'll it a glory hunter. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to throw so, that in the, the rotation. I certainly wasn't that. I mean, I was just amazed by, like, for example, because the Bears were on the TV a lot, the tackles and the hits from the defense, I just found it was so fascinating for a start. The fire and the explosiveness of Mike Ditka, the, the the goofiness of Jim McMahon, and then the fridge as well. And then there was a certain guy who wore a, a number 34 on his jersey called Sweetness, Walter Payton. And just watching him, his leaps into the end zone, his amazing cutbacks, even the trick plays with himself and Jim McMahon, it was just absolutely brilliant to watch. And probably the only other thing I would add Coming from Glasgow in Scotland, um, coming from somewhere like here, a year of support, one soccer team or the other, and that would be Glasgow Rangers or the other lot, which is Celtic. And Rangers have got the nickname the Teddy Bears. And I basically grew up since I was a toddler watching Rangers um, playing soccer. I would go to the games with my dad and my brother. And when I went to the game, I would wear a blue and orange scarf. So basically, between the teddy bears having, you know, the nickname of Rangers being the teddy bears and the colours being orange and blue, I think there was only really one team that I was going to support when I get into the NFL. Yeah, and you mentioned the navy and blue. Um, I I noticed this is kind of, for the fans out there, the reason why me and Derek started chatting was because he he posted a, a picture on Twitter of all of his jerseys hanging and he had like a blued out um, uh, Walter Payton jersey, and it, it was like the Chicago flag on on either arm, uh, the the, Chica- the Chicago stars on either arm, and it had like a little bit light blue lettering um, with the navy blue like outline, and then had some orange stars. I thought it was an awesome jersey, um, and that's kind of how we got chatting. So obviously, you're a fan of sweetness, um, and, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. From by the sound of it, it sounds like just the perfect storm kind of happened. There was. Yeah. Some, uh, you know, because even me myself, like I was a huge fan of Donatello, the um, the Ninja Turtle. And that, <laughs> yeah. that made me love the color purple. And still to this day, I'm a huge fan of the color purple. And it's because right. he wore that. So if your team, as you'd call it, the Rangers or the Teddy Bears were also orange and blue, it's that perfect storm of like the NFL getting popular because it, you're right at that time. It was before I was born. But at that time is when the NFL really started to understand how to market players and things like that. And the Chicago bears were such a marketable team all the way from their head coach and Mike Dicka down through sweetness and Jim McMahon and the fridge. And they had all these personalities and national commercials that were reaching, you know, the entire world. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, I always find it fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Sorry. I I was just saying, I've saw a few of those commercials, so I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, no, I mean, I still I still remember those commercials just from like old reruns and and things of that nature. And then, of course, you got the coach, Mike Dicka, who doesn't really take much shit from anybody. So I'm sure that resonates (laughs) a lot with with Scottish people who, who, if I'm not mistaken, are known to not really want to take much shit off of anybody. (laughs) Um, But to move forward, I I remember you saying that you watched a lot of these games in London. Um, yes. So, so you essentially would have to fly over. I'm, I'm sure that would cost, cost a pretty penny to, to go watch the teams, but I definitely um, want to get. Sorry. 
Go ahead. No, go ahead and and elaborate on that. But I just want to get your overall experience of the NFL um, games in London and how they go. Yeah, sure. I mean, the London game started back in 2007. And initially, they only started having one game a year. Um, I mean, the first game, it was absolutely pouring a rain. And it was the Giants against the Dolphins. And it wasn't much of a game, but the Giants won that game. It was 13-10, and then that was the season they went on to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So it's right away they couldn't say that bringing a team over to the UK, you you know, would have an impact on their season. You know, you could say that right away because of what the Giants done. But for the first six years or so, there was only one game that came across from um, the states to London, and. Then it started to grow in 2013. There was two, and then it became three games. And then they kind of they didn't just play at Wembley; they played between um, another stadium, a rugby stadium called Twickenham. And then by the time we got to 2017, there was now four games a year in London. Up until now, there's been 28 games in total, and myself and a good friend of mine, Stephen, has attended every sing- every single one. It started off as maybe about four or five years going down initially, but due to cost and families, etc., um, obviously it's kind of dwindled away. But thankfully, I've got quite an accommodating wife, and I've been able to go to all twenty-eight games, so I've been quite fortunate. So yeah, sounds like a keeper, absolutely. Um, good, for, <laughs> yeah. good, good, good for you. Uh, that's awesome. So you've gone to all twenty of the games, and and as I remember, it did start out as kind of slow, but as the UK grew more interest, the the NFL has made it a point to send more games over there. I know the Jacksonville Jaguars usually get two of those games. Um, yeah. And they're like, if the NFL was to try to dabble with having a franchise in, in, um, in the UK that from what I've been told, they would send over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know this year specifically, they have back-to-back games. Has that grown like a larger fan base for the Jaguars in general in the UK? Would you say that you know, most people are fans of the Jaguars because they're there so often or which which teams, uh-huh. you know, and, and the Jaguars, I know that they're not the greatest, but a couple of years ago, they yeah. did have that run where they, you know, made the AFC championship. So what what's the fandom looking like out there? Is it kind of a hodgepodge or do you have I like think, pretty concentrated groups? Yeah, I think to be honest with you, I mean, I wouldn't say because the Jags have been playing here for nearly seven years now that they've got a bigger fan base than anybody else. I think when you go to these games in London, I mean, literally every one of these games in London has sold out. Um, when you get to the games, you will see, um, like, for example, Wembley holds like 90,000 people and literally every game has had a, a game in the 80s, 80 odd thousands. But that is due to teams giving tickets back. And, you know, around the low level seats where the you know, basically, if you were sitting in the stands, you wouldn't be able to see over the players on the sidelines. Yeah. So they kind of put the, the team's banners around there. So that takes away so many of the ticket allocations as well. Um, but literally, all of these games have been sold out. It's sad to say, uh, out of all the games that have been played in London and Wembley, every single game has been over 80-odd thousand, except the Chicago Bears against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is quite frustrating. <laughs> Well, why do you think that that's the case? Was it the weather or is it just because if they're all getting sold out or is it just people don't like the Bears? I really don't know. I mean, to be honest, we've been, when when it started back in the 80s, as I say, due to the, the Bears winning the Super Bowl, the Bears and the Cowboys coming over to London as the first American Bowl series games, I think for that reason they did adopt quite a large fan base. But through time, I don't know, maybe there was a lot of tickets given back that day. I really can't explain why that game was in the 70s and yet yeah, every other game. I've not got an answer for that one, to be honest with you. Yeah. can't explain it. That, that doesn't make much sense. Um, but no, that's that's kind of an, om- an anomaly to me. But I, I definitely want to like get your take on, because a lot of the times these, these games, they're in soccer stadiums and you guys are used to soccer stadiums being sold out and the atmosphere yeah. being absolutely electric. People out of their mind for their soccer teams. Um, yeah. Is there a similar like feel for football or is it more just like, Hey, you know, we get to do this once a year. Like, you know, are there, are there a lot of diehard fans out there for football as well that are, or is it more so people just having experience and enjoying the game? No, not at all. There's a lot of very, not just passionate fans of the NFL in the UK. There's a lot of knowledgeable fans as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
if you've got, for example, the Bears playing at Soldier Field, you've got 60,000, 70,000 people more or less shouting on the one team. So when that crowd obviously knows exactly, you know, you've got 60, 70 people staying quiet when the offense is on the field and when the defense is on the field, they're obviously making a lot of noise. When you're at a game in London, you've obviously got so many fans of both teams. So therefore, you know, there's everybody's making the effort and they know exactly when to make, you know, the most noise and big third down plays, etc. But as well as, say, for example, like, and the Bears and the Raiders who just played last year. It's not just Bears fans. It's not just Raiders fans. You literally see 32 different teams' jerseys when you go to an NFL London game. Uh, I, I mean, you're even talking Lions and Bengals supporters. I even saw one day a Johnny Manziel shirt as well. So you get all sorts. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the the little bit of shade you had to throw at the lines over there. I appreciate it for sure. <laughs> um, but no, that's one thing I was I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I wanted to lead into next is which jerseys would you say you see the most in these UK games like team player specifically? You know, you, you would expect like with the years that Patrick Mahomes has been having, maybe he's very popular. But which overall players are you seeing the most uh, jerseys in, in London? Yeah, I've seen obviously the two teams that are playing at home, well, at the stadium that day, you'll see the majority of, but there is a lot of, sadly, a lot of Patriots fans out there. You've even got quite a lot of Packers fans over here as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I you see Packers fans everywhere, unfortunately. We've got a lot in uh, Glasgow because the, the Packers play in green, white and gold, and that's the colours of Glasgow Rangers division rivals, so... That's why we see quite a lot over here. Sometimes, the fun, I've spoke to a few um, British people over here that obviously follow the sport, and it's always a kind of running joke when you're walking about the streets of, for example, Glasgow, and you see someone walking towards you with another NFL jersey on, you kind of look and you kind of acknowledge each other, you know, to see, hey, you know, and you're representing the NFL and you re recognise that each other is a fan. But sometimes... Like, for example, the New York Yankees, those hats are everywhere. And so, you know, if you were to if you were to try and acknowledge somebody with a, a Yankees hat in Glasgow, they probably wouldn't know one single thing about baseball, for example. Yeah, it's more of the symbol for New York, right? Exactly. It's like the, yeah. the symbol of coming to America. So I understand that. But wait, so you're telling me that the team you support is the Rangers and they are orange and uh, navy and orange. And well, then it's, it's, their rival uh, is the Celtics and they are yellow and green? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I that's I mean, that's a crazy a parallel. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy yeah. parallel. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, Rangers play in red, white and blue, but they're also kind of renowned for wearing the colour orange as well. So, but yeah, it is quite a coincidence. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Um, so <laughs> you're saying most of the jerseys you're seeing are Patriots and Packers. It kind of makes sense. You got, you know, 30 years of dominant quarterbacks with the Patri uh, the Packers. And then, of course, the Patriots have dominated the league. The, the Super Bowls ran through them or the AFC Championship for like the last 20 years. So um that's understandable as as what did you call those fans before um which one sorry the the ones that like we would call bandwagons oh glory. sorry the, the glory hunters yeah glory hunters so obviously there's a lot of glory hunters all over the world that's yeah. we're we're not so different you and i we're all a lot more alike than you think yeah exactly um, i mean you, you see the generations like for example you'll see like um people's ages you'll get the, the 49ers who were obviously really successful in the 80s the 49ers have got a lot of fans over here Absolutely. Uh, but honestly, every single team is represented. I couldn't put them in an order of who's got the most fans. But you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't say I've seen a lot of Patrick Mahomes jerseys yet. However, we, we don't like that name. <laughs> no, no, I, I understand that aspect of it entirely. Um, and I, I heard you mention that you went, obviously, if you've gone to all 20, you went to the Raiders-Bears um, game. How was that yeah. game? That was in a different stadium than, than yeah. uh, usual, correct? Yeah, so sorry to correct you, but there's 20, 28 games in all that we've been to. Uh, not taking that away for you, but um, the the funny thing about the the Oakland Raiders game and the Bears, I went there with them when I was at high school. That's when my love for American football started, and I basically went to high school uh, and I met up with who is now my, one of my best mates. He was my best man at my wedding. Just kind of found a bond 
between this guy, David, because of American football. Um, sadly, he's a Raiders fan. Um, he he kind of got into American football in a similar way that I did, just through buying. You would obviously you'd probably get loads of them over there, but over here we'd get like these. There was different things you would get, like packets of sweets with plastic American football helmets in them, or cardboard jerseys that were key rings. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or even collectors cards. <laughs> so I think it was just one day. It was a kind of a glance that we both were kind of into the same thing, and you know. As close as we were then, when we were like 13, 14 years old, he's now, he's my best mate, he's now staying over in Spain. But the passion that he's got for the game is still the same as mine. And we met up for the Bears Raiders game in London um, for that weekend. And obviously, one of his was a bit more happier than the other. Yeah, was I was going to say he ended up getting the bragging rights that day. Yeah, it was a game, a game of two halves. Honestly, they the Bears. I still can't get over it. They sh- they should have easily won that game, and they had no Akeem Hicks. Uh, yeah, obviously he got injured in that game. They had yeah. Chase Daniel playing, um, yeah. and they were still right in it till the end. So uh, uh-huh. that was a tough one because that's when the Bears we we learned that without uh, without Akeem Hicks, it's a lot har- it's a lot easier to run the ball on the Bears defense. So that was a, a really tough one to swallow, especially it was like the perfect storm for them. They had a great offensive line. Josh Jacobs is a really, really good running back and they were able to to gash us for the first time in about two years. So that must've been a tough one to swallow if he, if he had all the bragging rights that day. Um, especially the fact that he was part of the Kelly O'Mac trade as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, did you see the, uh, the latest power rankings? I actually just wrote an article, um, like kind of reacting to sports illustrated had the bears at ranked at 23 power rankings going into the season. I think the right. Raiders were 22 and the, the Broncos were 24. So we were right in between those two teams. And I'm like, wow, the amount of disrespect that yeah. they gave us in that power ranking was really tough. Cause I feel like, like the Raiders <laughs> are still so far away. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe your friend thinks differently, but I feel like they're still so far away and I don't think they've had an overly impressive draft or did, like, you know, I don't think that they made uh, the most of, of the value that they got from the Khalil Mack trade either. Yeah. We certainly came out better off of that in the end, without a doubt. Yeah, oh, 100%. I, I think the Bears definitely got the better uh, better end of that deal. Um, but is there any specific, like, memory you could think of in the stadium? Um, you know, what's on the menu in these stadiums in in uh, London? Or, yeah, in the London games, do they got fish and chips over there? Like, what's what's yeah. the, what's the hot snacks over there? And maybe w- tell me a memory that you had with with one of your friends going to one of these games. I mean, yeah, they've got you've obviously got your traditional hot dogs, but they do do fish and chips because it is in England. You've got your nachos, um, and you've got they sell they sell beer at the stadium, um, which is funny because. Up here in Scotland, there's an alcohol ban when you go into a football stadium, whereas you can go to a football game or an American football game in London um, and you can buy beer. So it's just a Scottish thing. You can't buy alcohol at a football match because you can't be trusted. <laughs> so but, are you um, able to let loose during the London games then or what? Or are you, um, still, are you keeping not, yourself on lockdown? Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't have that much. Or maybe have one or two. The frustrating yeah. thing is I don't... Because of the queues, sometimes you get at the toilets. I'd, I'd rather just stay and watch the game. There's plenty of time to drink beer, don't worry. I mean, I'll have one or two, but I'd rather sit and watch the game rather than, you know, squeeze past people to get to the toilet and be, you know, annoying in that way. So, yeah, yeah. I just like to sit, chill out and enjoy the game. I understand a 15-minute toilet break is definitely not ideal when you only get to watch one or two games a year. So yeah. You're asking about, I mean, if you're talking about a memory... Um, for a London game, I'll give I'll give you a funny one. Um, I I get married in 2011. Don't worry, there's a connection here. <laughs> um, my wedding and my honeymoon was all planned out, obviously the year or so before, and then and I was getting married in October, and then suddenly it got to May of that year, and the the schedule came out, and Chicago Bears got announced as their first ever London game. Um, the day after I was coming back from my honeymoon. Uh, so this one is obviously quite quite a prominent memory. The funny thing is, um, I basically, let's just say, I landed back in Glasgow with a wife and straight from the honeymoon. While I was in, uh, we went to Disney World and um, while we were there, to buy, to buy merchandise 
from the, the states and get it delivered over here. It costs probably just as much to buy it as, as it does to get it delivered. So I've had a, I had my eye on a Chicago Bears golf bag for years. So what I did was I got that delivered to the Disney Hotel and then I brought it home with me and I saved so much money on obviously um, the, the import costs, which was good. But getting back to the, the story, there is a link here. So when I was saying goodbye to the wife, I says, right, here's all my Bears merchandise that got delivered and the golf bag, away you home. And I left my wife at the airport and I jumped on another plane. <laughs> um, We're talking a couple of weeks after being married too. Yeah, exactly. I know. But um, I, it literally was a couple of weeks. So we landed in Glasgow. I said goodbye. Go, go and take my golf bag home along with all my luggage. And I, I got to London about three, four hours before the game and all my mates were in the, the pub waiting on me. So and, and, and another thing with that, as I say, we were in Disney. The funny part is I was walking down Disney Main Street wearing one of my Bears jerseys and I just heard suddenly, the Bears, and I turned around and it was a couple, so I acknowledged them. We had a wee bit of small talk chatting about the Bears and they said to me, are you watching the game tomorrow then? And my reply was, I'm actually going. So then I had to explain, obviously, what happened next. <laughs> the whole situation. That's awesome yeah. to hear, man. Oh, so that, was, that was a good story. Yeah, Derek, that's an awesome story, my dude. I appreciate having you on. Um, well, you're very welcome. Is, yeah, that's it. yeah, of course. That, that's about everything I have for you. Is there anything else that um, maybe you'd like to to share with the fans or something like that? Any any closing thoughts at all? It could be anything random. Anything random? Oh, I mean, I'd say the American football over here, I think speaking to so many of the fans when they come over to the UK... I think they're a bit overwhelmed by how much knowledge we have for the game and how much passion we have for the game. I mean, our TV coverage over here, as well as us getting all these London games, the TV coverage, we get the Thursday night game live. We get a game live at six o'clock. We get a game live at nine o'clock. We get the, the Sunday night game. and We get the Monday night game. All those games are covered live. As well as that, we've got Red Zone live on another channel. And then there's another channel that brought... And there's... We even get, for example, um, you know, the, the pro football talk live. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we get that every night of the week as well. So the coverage over here is absolutely phenomenal. And this is the reason why, you know, the sport is just forever grown in this country. And that's the reason why they're possibly looking into a franchise. If I'm honest, I wouldn't want it myself. I mean, I mentioned all these fans that go to the games in London. I'm not going to give up supporting the Chicago Bears simply because there's a team now playing in London. And I'm sure every other people that supports their teams, they're not going to do that either. So I'm not sure how it's going to work. So I wouldn't be keen on it, but that's that's that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's an interesting perspective because you're right. They, they have been establishing themselves for so long in London now. You know, like they, they their their goal was to have viewership from the UK and Europe and they they've they've accomplished that goal as as you know as you said that you you guys are staying up to date you're able to watch all the pro football talk all that stuff so I think that's a really interesting perspective that, that a lot of these people have already chosen the teams that they're fans yeah. of and they're not just gonna just gonna jump ship because now that there's someone in their backyard so that's a really cool perspective so um, I think with a, with a new franchise team when when a new franchise team is set up the players will go into the community and into the schools and help build a fan base. I think if that happened in London, they wouldn't have the time or the patience to kind of get all that set up. So I wouldn't see it working, but you never know. That's just yeah, my you, opinion. You would have to you would have to target the youngest group, right? And go into yeah. schools and stuff and get people before they become a fan of exactly. become a fan of anything. Yeah. So that's really um no, yeah, and and honestly making the colors something similar to what, you know, the most popular team in in uh England would be would probably be a smart idea as well, right? Because we were talking yeah, about how the colors resonate and things like that. Um, yeah. Really awesome. I, you know, it's funny you say that because I studied abroad. Maybe I want to say in 2013, I studied abroad in Dublin, and you know, all the games were at random times of the night, and I still found myself setting alarms so I could wake up at three in the morning to watch the early game yeah. and stuff like that. So definitely, um, think it takes a different level of dedication to be. It's easy for me. I could roll out of bed at 11:30 on a Sunday and watch all the NFL games, no problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Get, yeah. You know what I mean? Get it in. So it's a different level of uh, of fandomship from from you guys over there in the UK. And we definitely appreciate you. For anyone listening, if you'd like to follow um, Derek, you could follow him at Derek underscore duh underscore bear. 
Um, really cool account. You'll see some awesome jerseys. Derek's definitely got a, a ton of uh, sweetness jerseys and stuff like that. So definitely, it was a pleasure to have you on, my man. And, and I'm really glad to get your perspective. I, I think all the fans will definitely appreciate what you have to say. And, and I appreciate you, brother. Thanks very much for having me on again, Lucas. I really appreciate that. And thanks for uh, everything you've done. It's been great. And uh, go Bears. Bear down, baby. Go Bears. Bear down. Bear See down. you later. Yeah, thanks absolutely. very much. Take care, sir. Take care. Bye now. And that was your interview with Derek, the Bears fan. Um, definitely, we appreciate having you on, my man. We'll run that interview again when, when the London games come around. We'll definitely be in contact with you. He's an awesome account to follow if you want to follow him. Um, but that about does it for our show. We are Bears on Tap, and I am the host, Lucas Perfetti. You could follow me at LucasPerfetti46. You can all also follow us at Bears on Tap. For any of your Chicago sports needs, go ahead and follow On Tap Sportsnet or go to ontapsportsnet.com, and you will have. I mean, we just Tony put together a good amount of effort, and um, and and we have a brand new layout. Same site, you know. What's that saying? Same, uh, same on tap. You're new on tap, who dis? Whatever that shit is. You guys know how it is. I'm not your age anymore. You guys are a lot younger than me. Um, but overall, that's the show today. Go ahead and give us a follow. Check out our content. And always, always, always bear down. Thanks again, Derek. We really appreciate you, my man.